0: On the 15 second skip button. Enjoy.
1: My name is Adam Thorby. I'm the founder of Supercar Driver.
2: Hello, I'm Riyadh and I'm head of media at Supercar Driver.
0: The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com. Hello, and welcome to the latest Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Markar. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. As you've just heard from our intro, this week we are talking to. Adam and Riyad from Supercar Driver, a very, very well-known members club for supercar owners based here in the UK. And in this conversation, we're going to be talking through lots of different aspects of their business, how it all started, why it all started, and of course, what has made the club and the organisation so well-known and so popular and so sought after. I wanted to say a very quick hello before diving into the conversation, just to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone that's recently left us nice, positive reviews. It does a huge, huge, wonderful thing for our big algorithm, the thing that none of us really understand, Uh, but it does help and it is massively appreciated. So lots and lots of lovely comments and messages and reviews coming in from recent episodes, which have been really, really highly appreciated. If this is your first time listening, uh, we have a back catalogue now of 127 or 8 episodes, an awful lot of episodes to catch up on with a new guest every single week. Somebody from the automotive space that we talk to, either myself or one of my colleagues will talk to, and basically pick their lives and careers apart in the automotive world so yeah if you enjoy this episode do check out our entire back catalogs there'll be an awful lot more for you to catch up with uh, but I will leave it at that I will check in again at the very end of the episode just with some parish notes um, but uh, until that point I will uh, leave you to enjoy Adam and Riyadh from Supercar Driver recorded at the Supercar Driver offices up in Sheffield enjoy Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the very latest episode of the Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Marker. And as you have just heard, this week I am joined by two lovely voices and lovely faces, but you can only hear their voices, so we'll focus on the voices. Uh, Adam and Riyad from Supercar Driver. Thank you very much for... uh, well, inviting me into your lovely little man cave here and for being a guest on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Welcome. Welcome to Sheffield. Thank you. Thank you. I want to paint the picture of where we are at the moment because it is quite an impressive facility. We are, from the outside... Super unassuming. Very unassuming. Yeah. You'd think that we are in an industrial estate where there, you know, there's a shutter door, a roller shutter that goes up, and you'd expect behind it to be boxes of stock and things. But no, we are currently surrounded by cars. Just behind you is a... Um, E forty six M three CSL. There's a Lotus Elise over there. We've got a Exige. Is
2: it? A- I- if Giante heard you say that.
0: <laughs> in my defence, I can just see the tail light <laughs> through a tiny gap in the wall. Uh, but yes, there is an Exige. We've got quite a few cars in here as well. Is there? Is that a, uh, a Cayman, Cayman R? Cayman R. Cayman, Cayman R. All
1: back there's a, another E ninety two M three. There's an eight one two GTS that I wish was ours, but it's not just <laughs> uh, storage but yeah no it is quite unassuming i think that was kind of the idea yeah we needed somewhere to store cars we want to be able to have a cool office space we can look at great cars while we work and-
0: perfect so i want to kind of unpick the roots of what supercar driver is and then of course i'm going to delve into the two of you a little bit as well and find out ultimately what's got you here and what's got you being such fundamental parts of this amazing organization so who wants to take the lead if if Somebody's just walked in, they've never heard of the club, they're perhaps new to the UK car scene, and they say, what is supercar driver? What would your answer be, Adam?
1: It's a reason to drive. In the simplest form, it's a reason to get out in your car and use it. And that's something that we've always sort of stayed true to our roots from 2009, 2010 to now. We've just got more ambitious and more sort of um, excited about the different things you can do with these cars but in the simplest form it's a members club for owners of supercars giving you a reason to use your car
0: perfect do you uh, agree with that ryan anything to M- add
2: most definitely no i think <laughs> i think the club as a whole and, and what it is about is bringing these people with the cars together as well so mm-hmm. it's it's a community yeah and it's a, a great one at that
0: Tis indeed, tis indeed. Uh, One I can speak from experience in agreement on, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, But a good kind of icebreaker to get us started would be uh, to find out, there's a couple of questions I occasionally like to ask guests. And that is the earliest childhood memory in and around cars. And then I always like to find out what the first car is and see how that compares to the current car (laughs) or current fleet of cars. Uh, So if we start with you, Adam, what would you say is your earliest childhood memory in and around cars?
1: I suppose my kind of growing up as a kid, we didn't have family holidays. We always just went to racetracks. My dad designs racing cars. So cool. um, my earliest sort of car memories are being in the in the pits of, of racetracks around the UK um, and a bit of Europe as well. Just And that's where I think, well, my passion of cars started. And mm-hmm. it's amazing actually how many people of our members you speak to and they, they all have got their sort of, or a lot of them have got their car bugs from their family mm. or their fathers or whatever. Um, so yeah, my earliest car memories is racetracks, nice. racing cars. Riyad, what about you?
2: My passion actually stems from my brother. Um, he's car mad and growing up, he was always on the driveway working on his cars and His first car, I think it was a Vauxhall course and it had this stupid exhaust on it and it was hilarious (laughs) and sat on the driveway on ramps and he'd be underneath it just fiddling with it and kind of, I, I followed him and then he got into doing track days and I wasn't old enough to go in the car or go like track, track side because of the rules. So yeah, I was just like, I I'd used to sit in his car, and we used to, Alton Parker is our local circuit, so we used to just go to Alton and just sit there and watch the cars go around. So nice. that's where it started.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. So now we get to find out who has the best first car. Oh, uh, Adam, would you like to set the bar?
1: Yeah, mine was a 1.1 Ford Fiesta, a red one with like plastic bumpers on the side and five spoke alloy wheels. It was it So was it was
0: non-body uh, coloured bumpers? Yeah,
1: non-body coloured, yeah. I mean, I... I'd love to know where that is now, in, in, in a block somewhere, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Riyad?
2: I actually had a Clio Sport, so it was a Phase 1 172, and it, I bought it for £750. It needed a new clutch, apparently. It turned out it was the clutch release bearing. Ah. So we got that sorted, and then I went to insure it. Ah. And I wasn't able to insure it, so my brother got <laughs> to drive around while I sat in the passenger seat. Uh, and then we sold it to one of his friends, and he wrote it off. So oh. the, my actual first car was a, was a Renault Megane, 5 door. I thought it was the coolest thing ever.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I thought the uh, 117 might be a bit punchy yeah, as a is. first car with insurance.
1: Definitely got overexcited.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean,
1: as you know, my my car I've always wanted and I kind of missed the boat was a M Coupe.
0: Yeah.
1: Z3M and they were seven grand for years. And I, oh, I didn't have the money at uni and then came out, still couldn't afford it. And then I bought one recently, didn't I? But you then, did, but that didn't um,
0: end very well, did it?
1: It just weren't as exciting as I kind of always hoped. Every time I looked at it, bits were rusting. But anyway, yeah. we kept, that's a separate a separate topic. <laughs> but, but I did, like your Clio story, you know, it's the same for me with that. those cars I really wanted on.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it is a case that sometimes it's best not to meet the heroes, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. it works really well. You get into a car that you've always aspired to drive or own and it completely blows you away. And other times you'll get into a car and go, uh...
1: Yeah, and they look yeah. like four or five times more expensive than they were back in the day. As exactly. Well. And then they were a bit of a bargain then. And now I don't know so much, but still cool cars. Yeah. I think if you
2: compare it to what's in the collection now as well, it's it doesn't really compare. No, bit, no, yeah, it does. So does maybe care. that's what did it for you.
0: Yeah, it's true. A lot of av- advancement has happened since the late 1990s yeah. in affordable sports cars. Yeah. And suddenly, it does make looking back on cars that we did think, "Oh my god, it's just the best thing ever." You're like, "Okay, it's it's all right," you know. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the the club itself and the humble beginnings. I can recall seeing something you shared, Adam, on social media not too long ago, which was a a little flyer that you'd made up at yeah. one point that you were yeah. putting out onto supercars to try and build up this little community of people that might be interested in coming along and congregating and meeting let's put a timestamp stamp on that what what year might that have oh, been
1: probably 2009 and and that actually goes back from a little story from when i was probably 13 14 my next door neighbor had a tvr chimera and I, i'd always hear him start it up because i'd be in our living room next door was in is his garage and you could hear this chimera 500 start up and every time i said to my mum Love to go in that, but I'm too scared to go and ask him <laughs> for a ride. And then eventually, I plucked up the courage, which is silly, really. Went, plucked up the courage, knocked on the door, said, "Can I, can I jump in for a ride?" And he said, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, my my, my partner sort of is not interested." And sort of every Sunday, we used to go out in his car after that. Mm. And that just taught me one thing, really: just a, you don't ask, you don't get. Mm-hmm. And that's something ever since way back then is something that sort of I've sort of stood by the whole way through SCD. And that goes back to your question there about the flyers on cars. Mm. Like, again, we did these flyers, and we would just go and put them on people's thing, on people's cars, or one time, I remember being in traffic, and there was a, a new Exige in front of us, and we are gridlocked, so I just got out of the car, walked up, and gave him a flyer while we are queuing, and he's like, what's going on? I mean, the success rates of those flyers were, were a few percent. They weren't mm. that effective, but obviously social media wasn't such a big thing back then. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's funny, but yeah, we had these little flyers, and just popped them on windscreens or give them to people, and, and um, it sort of started it, but... Um, Like I say, that was probably 2009, and then I started doing some events late 2009, early 2010, Mm -hmm. um, and they were just blokes standing around in a car park, and and, and also, when you think about this office here, I mean, it started in my bedroom, and we joke about it, but it sort of did, did. in a little tiny three-foot kind of square um you know just with a desk and uh
2: and then it evolved to the kitchen, yeah. in the kitchen me <laughs> it, did.
1: it did and then we got this office in probably well not this office but an office in sort of 2016 that was the first time it moved to a sort of a commercial premises but obviously we need to go further back in time I think
0: yeah um yeah I think we do so yeah so with that what was the original vision for the club and where did the idea come from what was it that it it inspired wasn't, you it was, to put something together.
1: It wasn't my idea, actually. Um, I started doing stuff in Sheffield. I did under the banner called Sheffield Supercar Sundays, which mm-hmm. is, has a ring to it. Um, and then there's a chap in Manchester called Rich, and he he was doing some stuff as well mm-hmm. and, and came up with the name Supercar Driver, had it registered um, and was doing some events. And then we, we ended up speaking because we were doing sort of similar stuff. He was on the other side of the Pennines. I was here. Um, we ended up just teaming up. And going okay, and he was quite an interesting chap, and always sort of saw the, the commercialities of what this could be, mm. and would, would would be a sort of a mentor for me, if you like. Going, you could do this full time, you know, this could be a thing, mm-hmm. and and we used to brainstorm a lot. Um, so, for the first couple of years, I was the one really putting loads of ideas and time because I suddenly started to think, oh my god, this could be a this could be a job, right? Mm. Like, wow, and it was and it was I think after a couple of years, we were doing any sort of twenty events a year. And the members, they weren't paying members at the time, but they said, you should you should start to charge for this. Mm-hmm. So we sort of said, all right, well, let's charge 40 quid a year. And we had 200 members. And you start doing the maths and go, okay, there's some money here. And mm. I didn't have sort of huge needs at the time, just thinking, right, how can I make a salary of sort of 20 grand? Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just funny when you sort of retract away sort of way back then 200 members at 40 quid a year
0: and and that seems to be again I don't want to kind of keep jumping back and forth in the timelines but knowing the club now as I do and knowing the members as I do having seen them at various events that I've attended there's often a similar mention coming from the members now saying it's not expensive enough you need you need to be charging more you need to be bringing more in so would you say it was the members that were kind of the driving force into what made it a commercial yeah. organization. And we actually,
1: Rich and I always said at the time, this is always going to be a business. It's not going to be a club. It's not going to be structured with AGMs mm. and because that's just hassle. It's always going to be a business. Um, and I think that is a, has been a bit of a turning, turning point for us because there's a lot of other businesses or clubs out there that are structured in that way. And it's just politics. Mm. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's sort of so much we can do. in there.
0: What were you driving yourself? Did you have
1: anything remotely special? Or? <laughs> right,
0: so I probably should retrack a little bit. So 2000 to 2000,
1: 2010 to 2013, I worked for another company doing business. I did business from property management at uni, came out, manages in, managed industrial states and offices. Mm-hmm. And then I had a company car, which is a Suzuki Swift. I read one three-door. It was a beast. And, <laughs> but I used to sort of milk that job a little bit. And I started to, well, I booked a viewing to, with a client and then went to see Ferrari Nottingham for a meeting. And that was the kind of the point that it started to get a bit more commercial. And then going back to a question you asked a minute ago about the the members and, mm. and pushing for the fee that I didn't really answer, is that, yeah, they, they, do, they did push mm. for the commercial side of things because they're all commercial people. Yes. They're actually always say to us aren't they there's been a certain number of members over the time who have been very um helpful in in help in us realizing the vision Mm. and helping you with the commercialities or introducing people or just inspiring you going we've done this um we'd love to see you do this yeah and it kind of benefits them in a way as well because they'll get more exciting opportunities to drive and use their cars yeah but it's just the community the people are fascinating the things that they've done you know, you see these people supercars, you just think, oh, Rich, well, you just have this mm. sort of misconception. And actually the people are all, a lot of them are self-made, mm-hmm. amazing stories and full of inspiration. But it was 2013 that I went full-time and that's when I met Riyad. <laughs> that's a story in itself. Yeah, it a
0: young guy with a camera. Yeah. So it's interesting because that, so that time, so 2013, did you see? Yeah. So 2013, that's an interesting chapter, an interesting year, in fact, because I think that would be the year that we all, the three of us, first... Have got in contact with oh, each Gumbel. other. Gumbel. We didn't, I don't think we ever actually met back then. We did a lot of messaging and there were a lot of phone calls because, of course, at that time I was in my first full year as head of production for the Gumball 3000 rally and uh, we needed support and assistance with car events in the UK whenever we were doing activations 2013 and 2014 There were both a few little bits and pieces that happened in the UK um, 2014 especially with the closure of Regent Street and and various other aspects that happened here in the UK and at that point I remember talking to you guys both of you separately but about supercar driver in, in regards to getting supercar owners onto our grids on the Gumball Rally so that our spectators our audience had something to look at and I remember thinking, even back then, like I just assumed it was this long-standing, established club that people have been members of for mm. ten years or so. But the reality is, it was in its absolute infancy then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And even then, you managed to invite, you know, a really strong contingent of cars to come along to Regent Street and park up on display and look amazing. And we did the
1: one in Manchester as well. That's we? right, of course. Yeah, and we caused yeah. chaos. At that was year. proper chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I remember um, Regent Street
2: as well. That was I, I'd not travelled to London many times, and what I. Getting off, I'd got the train there, and then coming onto Reading Street, and it was all closed up, and the cars parked. Of I remember that; it was proper yeah. totally cool. I
1: yeah. remember Manchester because like we had the yellow F40 and the actually 220, and they were kind That's of the right. two 90s, 90s cars. And there were loads of other great cars. Aventador just come out, I remember. And there was some, yeah. some lot of cool stuff. And you guys were doing a shutdown of of Manchester. Um, that was, yeah. It was, it was which chaos, was that wasn't it? Yeah, it was chaos. Organized chaos. Memories, but I think it goes back to. There's lots of things in that kind of point you just made. I think we've always been super ambitious, always been trying to push boundaries. I've loved personally trying to get some epic cars out of hibernation and then people using them. Mm. It's been a bit of sort of a passion of mine since, I mean, I love the F40. I've got memories of seeing my first F40 and I know it's really geeky, but everyone has those kind of things. Yeah. I can yeah. picture it. I can everything mm. and where it was. And, and, I remember at one point thinking, Oh god, I can I'll actually gonna probably meet some people with their forties at some point in this mm. journey. And now we obviously did thing that Secret Meet last year or this year with some, some uh, a phenomenal amount of them. But yeah, of course. um but it also goes back to social media. We were kind of one of the first people. that what we're doing is that we were doing nothing new really, mm. in terms of there were plenty of car clubs out there. We were just kind of the first club. Um, that we'd have multi-mark owners of of different marks out using their car. So it was kind of the first. And then we were sort of the first people on Instagram doing that. And I think I truly believe since that day of we have influenced a lot of other sort of either organizations or groups or owners to go, crikey, I can actually do all this stuff with my car. I didn't realize that. And social media in the early days, you remember. Social media in the early days. And Instagram was a huge sort of catalyst for that kind of to show what you can do with these cars.
2: Well, seeing people seeing an F forty out on the road, they might not see it in real life, but they could see it for Instagram, and that alone was, you know, cool enough for them. Whether it was yeah. an F forty or F fifty, and
1: and these these things, these events happen. You don't know about them, but they happen. And we've let's like say ours has always way been private. If you're mm. a member, you know where it is. Yes. And that does annoy ninety percent of of, <laughs> of of our followers because mm. they want to know everything, but also it's private for a reason. Um, but like I say, it is funny when you think back to them. Now Instagram is just part of the, the daily norm, isn't it? Yeah. Um, back then it was it wasn't and it was it's, it's changed a lot since then
0: the the members that you had in the early days in comparison to the members that you have now would you say much has changed or is the the demographic in the type of people that are joining and the type of people that are attending events are they much the same? it's different definitely I mean we probably had
1: different uh, criteria back in the day as well mm. we had we had anything and everything yeah um, that could join and then as we became more commercially minded we we obviously Change the the eligibility criteria to mm. so being a bit more strict because yeah. it is going to have to make money at some point. Like I said, it didn't make any any profit as a business. It got established in 2010. It didn't make any profit sort of 2016. Mm. Actually, by 2016, I'd raised 200 and something grand for Bluebellwood Children's Hospice and never made a profit. It was really funny. <laughs> uh, at the time, I had a, I had an investor and he was slightly sort of fuming about that. But <laughs> and, but but obviously, I'm going off on a tangent slightly. But. Yeah, I think think now the the sort of the demographic of member is a lot more of a uh, multiple supercar owner, a lot yeah. of the latest and greatest. Do you remember sort of back in 2010 you'd see or well, early 2010s you'd see um Glado Superleggeras. Superlegeras, you'd yeah. see, you don't see them anymore. No, you no, see no. plenty of Strads being yeah. used and Scuds and LP640s and Murciélagos and now these are kind of things you don't see quite so much That's and you true. see F8s and you see four eights, and you see Aventadors mm. and Hurricanes Although it's just We will see different. them
2: if Adam's on the case.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> will find them.
1: Yeah we will find
0: them. I mean you mentioned there that you had to or you felt the desire to clamp down on the eligibility or, or perhaps close that gap from it being quite broad and open so I'm guessing the early stages of, of the club or of, of the organisation you were effectively welcoming anyone with a slightly exotic badge, anything that might be deemed as all that special. And now it's a bit more kind of contained in the sense of, yes, you can have an R8, but as long as it's GT or Mm. along those sort of lines. What was the reaction from the members that had been involved? And did you ever have anyone that perhaps had that eligible car in the early days and then suddenly they perhaps weren't quite on the right list? Yeah,
1: we had that, but we we always honoured. We always said you could stay. We never said... No, you're, you're suddenly you've got to leave because you you're not on our list anymore. We yeah. always let those people in. It was like Nissan GTRs, things like that that mm. we eventually killed. Um, and there, but we always let those people stay. So there, but there were people thinking, "Oh, crikey, this is mm. this is this is the end of my my journey for with SCD." Um, but it wasn't like saying there's still people that were members in 2010, 2012 that are still members now actually, which is Great. quite cool and not very many, but there's 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 still some.
0: You say you at the moment you've got a waiting list what is that process is that a waiting list that does reduce do you have members that drop out
1: yeah a little bit there's a bit of fluctuation in 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 people coming and going and it's lifestyle isn't it you Mm. you own these cars you have a kid you change you move whatever yeah um but there is a process and it's something we'd like it to be a little bit more polished we Mm. only put it out a year ago Mm -hmm. and in a year there's sort of been that many applications to join but we came out of covid and we really wanted to be able to say thank you to everyone that had um supported us and, yeah. and maybe hadn't got the value that they they wanted mm-hmm. to get in those 2 years so we said right we're going to put a, a cap in place and 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 we're going to do a, we did 158 events this year. We're going to do 158 events. We'll keep a cap in place and just get a, take as much as you can and get involved. Um, and then, like I say, this this waiting list has has kind of grown. It's crazy, really. Quite how much demand and how many people have supercars in the UK that want to use them. It's way more than that. It's probably ten times the amount of people mm. that have these cars.
0: The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital.
1: Yeah. I suppose we should just touch on when I met Riyad. Yeah, could <laughs> say so you said there was a story
0: there. Um, yeah, so I, I'd like to I'd like to hear that. So
2: when 2013, 13, 13, yeah, I had an exhibition. I was at university at the time, um, at Media City. My exhibition was a photography exhibition. It was on cars, uh-huh. and by coincidence, I looked outside, and there's these, all these cars lining up. I was thinking, what's going on here? And like, well, I say cars, supercars. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was um, on the start of the Trumandly Pageant of Power event, and. So I've gone outside and I've got wind of who's organised it, Adam. I've gone up to him. My first thing was like, "I follow you on Instagram. Your photos are." <laughs> <laughs> it's that's like, true. Oh okay. And uh, you were what
0: age it, then? Like it, seventeen, eighteen? Would have
2: been just turned eighteen, yeah. It's just so yeah, and, that, and that's, where it all yeah. that's where it all started. Excuse
1: me, your photos are. <laughs> um, but then your photos were actually amazing. So yeah, yeah.
2: So that's, that's how it started, and then the next day I got invited to that event with Adam, and, and yeah, um, here. I am ten years later. Wow,
1: ten
0: year anniversary coming up! I can't believe it. It's as simple as that, kids. If you want to go out <laughs> and get a career in anything, go and criticise the the current standings. Well, you just get a job, and ten years later you're still there.
2: It's a bit like Adam <laughs> said about when when you want something, you've got to kind of go out and, and get it, haven't yeah. you? And like, don't be afraid. So if if people out there that that you know you want to be the next professional photographer or you you know videographer get the tools and get but you could it. have
1: missed that opportunity so easily by mm. just seeing those cars and, and walking off and yeah, standing and gone, in the window yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but you, you sort of got the ball by the horns mm. and dealt with it and we had some cool cars we did like a rally didn't we at media city that that went over to to chumbly pageant at power there was some great cars we had bbc coverage and it was mm. kind of like the first commercial gig i'd managed to line up for us and it was just really it was cool wasn't
2: it yeah, it was amazing. It, I got picked 40. up in a Maserati Gran Turismo, I think, and then driven from my house to this event. I was like, is this even real?
0: <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot to the organisation now beyond just a collection of nice people that drive really nice cars because there is road trips that you're mm. going on. There's a magazine that I'm looking at sat on the coffee table in front of us. And of course now some collaborations with the really, really big brands in the automotive world that you're partnered with for events and things how did all of that unfold like for example how how did you go from just organizing meets in car parks to suddenly planning trips around the alps it's crazy isn't it Mm. i don't
1: know it is it's been a a roller coaster really when you actually think back to that evolution and it's been very steady and i think a lot of people see the brand now and think overnight success Mm. when i think about it it's been a lot of three in the morning finishes for many years yeah. and and a lot of graft and a lot of emails and a lot of knocking on doors, a lot of rejection. Um, but then this kind of like ambition, burning ambition, because bear in mind, we all love cars and mm. this is the dream job, right? Yeah. And and now in my position, now it's probably a bit more stressful than it was five years ago, but the, the sort of concept remains the same, um, that it is the dream job. And a lot of people sort of uh, uh, do what you love, love what you do, that kind of thing, that yeah. mindset. So... I mean, we've always done a magazine that's one thing that riad came on board for mm-hmm. was to make the magazine better his photos would would allow us to 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 really um increase the advertising for the magazine mm-hmm. so and and everything's been a slow burner i remember when we were charging 50 pounds a page in to advert advertising the magazine mm-hmm. now it's sort of a thousand quid a page yeah. um so that's been a slow burner and a, and building and building mm-hmm. and then and then i think yeah like you say what else we can do with with big brands it's it's been there's not been a crib sheet that we can no. look at or other comp- any, anyone else doing the same thing at the time. We've just been sort of finding our way based on what we think is right.
0: And so for things like the road trips, was that, again, was that something you'd always aspired to do or was that something that, the, again, the members might have mentioned that they were hoping to oh, do? Definitely the members. And mm-hmm.
1: I, I played at it a bit. I did a few Scotland tours and <laughs> went to some horrible places. I'm sorry for everyone that joined <laughs> us on the 2013 <laughs> Scotland tour. Apologies. Um, uh, but I hired John T, who... Many people know the name. He's been around SCD from his early days with his yellow three five five that used to break down all the time. And I'm sure he would be here now and, and on this conversation if he could. But uh, he came on board full time in 2016 as mm. tour manager and has been um been sort of building our portfolio of tours yeah all around the UK and Europe and starting steady and and building it up because that's the other thing. We can't just go off and do everything straight away. We've had to to be really patient.
0: Yeah, which is absolutely the right way to do it, I think. And I I think when it comes to your own members, I think anyone that, again, you you mentioned before, didn't you, about the fact that the people that are members are quite savvy people. A lot of them are successful business people. They know how the world works. And at the same time as knowing not only are they going to be sympathetic with processes and times and the, the systems that need to be in place to get good at doing anything at all, they'll also know when somebody's absolutely blagging it. And just having a go at it, so I think, yeah, I think you've absolutely done the right thing there, and and you know you have to have a occasional ropey tour like yeah you some do. ropey drives uh, around you, Scotland you, yeah. before you get to go to the Alps. Well, so make that right
1: impression. We know we're very good value. We we do look at sort of manufacturer brand tours, things like that, that yeah. are are. are a lot more expensive than us. We mm. offer very good value. Our tours are very personal. Mm-hmm. We they're fully escorted. We the person, all the person has to do is get out of the bed in the morning, get in car, and we will we will do the rest. Um, so the tours are quite unique, and we, we have got a mega following for them. Mm. And Jonsi's done bloody amazing, to be honest. So credit yeah. to you, John T, um for that and and now the business for tour businesses and there's another lady called Ashlyn who's our sort of tour coordinator and then Jake does UK tours from next year so it's kind of splitting splitting the team and growing and scaling and doing mm-hmm. more
0: Perfect What would you say has been the, the most challenging part of building the business up to where it is in comparison to generating membership or interest or keeping the members active versus the day-to-day stuff like employing staff and worrying about flashy premises like the ones we're, we're sat in what would you say is the harder side
1: God, there's um there's the, the people probably mm-hmm. the people and, and building the brand and making the the brand stand out um god there's been there's been a lot of rocky times over the years I think of like I say it's go back to the sort of we're not an overnight success it's there's there's 10 staff now here full time and we're right. we've got a great business but there's been a lot of years of just grafting like I say so it was Riyadh in 2013 and then John T in 2016 Matt in 2017 so really for a good three or four years, it was me and Riyad on our own. I paid him 50 quid a week at one point, wow. 200 quid a month or something at one point, literally just to try and we'd we'd stay. We wouldn't even, we'd go on sort of Wales tours, wouldn't we? But we'd drive down at three in the morning because we couldn't afford a hotel. And like we were very, very uh, cost savvy at the time, the early days and... I'm not saying we're, we're totally frivolous now, but when you think back to then, mm. we made a lot of sacrifice to kind of build it, build it, build it, and and like I say, dream big. Had these huge ambitions. This is what we want to do. We always said we want to we want someone to be specking their Ferrari, tipping, ticking the PPF, and there's an SCD membership. That's mm. kind of the ambition we always had, and and it's totally it's never going to happen. But that was how we were thinking at the time. Sure.
0: What about you, Ria? Do you like thinking back again? I'm trying to get into the mindset of a 17, 18 year old that brazenly walks up to uh, owner of a business <laughs> criticizes it and immediately gets off with a job and then gets thrown into this whirlwind because I guess many other people perhaps people listening who aspire to work for an organization like this might have worked for a, a sequence or series of other uh, companies or clubs and kind of have a, an understanding of how it works but I guess from your perspective you were kind of into it as a baptism of fire and however Adam said this is how it works this is how it works so do you remember thinking at the time like this it, it seems to be bizarre Did or did you have that same kind of long-term vision that it was always going to be a success?
2: Definitely knew it was going to go, go places that as a whole like because just seeing Adam's work rate and his ambition I think it wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for Adam mm. like you said um, it's quite funny looking back with his box room office and I used to drive <laughs> to his house in Sheffield um, from Manchester over the Snakes Pass and we used to have meetings at his kitchen table and and so to see where where it started and where it is now it's you know it's great and I'd definitely looking back you could see you could see the the evolution each year like the newer cars that would join and like the excitement like when you see a new member dropping a new application it's just like okay and then mm. you know instead of one dropping you get four a week five a week ten a week and then before you know it you've got a thousand members so wow. yeah prop, proper
1: i think as well you'll be modest but we've always been a good team me and you like I say that's why you're still here ten years later. Well, I hope so. Um, like we've always been a good team, and and we would go and lead. Do you remember those drives you led that Ferrari drive in your A-class A180, <laughs> and we were leading. The thing is that's before we had a, an e 2 M3 that we could lead yeah. in. We we, we kind of just had to make do with whatever there was. And talking about my Suzuki Swift, I had a 320D, didn't I? Yeah. Um, uh, Five door, and I used to lead drives in that. Mm, and, and 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 it's just what we had to do back then. And if you try and launch a business like that now, you'd get laughed out laughed out of the place. You know, it's mm. just not the same. People just have expectations, I think. Um, but we had a lot of goodwill back then and people just saw us. We were just young guys trying to do well yeah. and just do something we love. And uh, and we put the time in and we built it and built it. But it's funny when you think back to those.
2: It's great. I'm sat here smiling now. Like, well, it's almost stupid looking back. You're leading a drive in a 320D. Or what my, I had a diesel A class.
1: It? And it was a special pushing down the road. Yeah, around just... the <laughs> Evo Triangle. And, and then we used mm.
2: to stop and then I'd jump out with the camera, get a load of shots and we'd go again. And,
1: mm. Yeah. It's just funny, that. honestly. If you well, it's two things. If you look at if I sit here in mm. 2010, thinking we'd be here now doing mm. all this, you wouldn't. And then if you thought, if you asked a 10 year old Adam, would do you think you'll be doing this sort of 20 odd years later? You think no, no chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? No chance. All, I think
0: a lot of people can relate to that, and yeah. you know, I, I can personally relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners could relate to that as well. And it, it's often difficult, isn't it? And I, I found this yeah with my own career, and I often find myself reminding people who are sort of in a and at an earlier stage of a very similar career to mine it's having that opportunity or, or having the insight to occasionally just stop and take a couple of steps back from the canvas and just have a look at what has been achieved mm. so far it can be very easy to really get yourself stuck into the thick of what's happening now and but I want it to be better and I want it to be better I want it yes. without realizing that actually you've built a really really good foundation of something already
2: which is only
0: going to get better it's only going to get more successful one of the things I wanted to ask because again this is something that I find is more and more common with people running businesses or um, trying to kind of put themselves in a a self-promoting world which can be a really really difficult thing to do in the the modern age is did you ever suffer from um, I guess the, the most common term for it now is imposter syndrome where you look back at something you've created or something you've started and you think What on earth am I doing? Like, um, I did you did it ever feel like you'd bit enough more than you can chew, or for you was it always it it needs to be better?
1: It always needs to be better. No, I never had that. It it was just always looking forward, and probably never actually stopped to look back because we again we were doing so much stuff, and there's the mag, and there's Mm. events, and there's tours, and there's cars, and etc. etc. So I I don't think I really ever for a long time actually. like took a step back mm-hmm. and looked it was just constantly planning right how can i make this work mm. how can i build it because it, it was too reliant on me at one point as well it was all reliant on me at one point and i just thought well even people around me going you just need to break your leg and it just ends tomorrow the whole thing yeah um but yeah no i and actually when i'm preparing for this i was looking back at sort of key moments thinking wow god we've done some cool stuff yeah you know and that was and that's I don't do that enough actually and it's like again imagine
2: if you sat there and actually like you had everything an image of everything you've done Mm. you know you'd fill this room and the amount of events we've done and yeah the
1: things you've seen the cars you've seen the places you've been the people you've met it's insane yeah
0: incredible what we're going to do is we're going to cut to a very quick advert break now just to appease the advertisers and then we'll come straight back and do more of the same so um, enjoy these adverts we'll speak to you in a sec the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital
1: That's up to 25% off outdoor
0: furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we're back. I always feel I'm inclined to apologize for the adverts, but we have adverts so that you don't need to pay for this podcast, so there you go. Um, thank you to Lloyds Bank or Costa or whoever it was that's just advertised with it. That was very kind. Um, I want to talk about a a couple of the kind of, I said a couple, it's going to be more than a couple, uh, the kind of significant events in the timeline since supercar driver came along and there's a couple that spring to mind you know i i remember being very impressed with myself and gumball 3000 when we managed to close regent street and i thought that was quite a cool thing to do but effectively it was you know, a, a short space of time on a on a road that they're trying to get rid of cars on anyway, so it wasn't that impressive a feat. But you closed the M6 toll. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes back. To, I should probably give Rich credit for this. Rich, who was involved with SCD mm. in the early de- days, he had this idea. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be cool? It's a it's a private road. You know, it's yeah. probably the only road we could email and ask about it. So um, I I followed that up at the time. It's 2012, and we we just said, hey, can we do a charity event with you? And um, for the Midlands Air Ambulance. And we didn't quite close it, but the, there were sort of 50 cars, 50 hundred cars. Ferrari Enzo came at the time, and that was cool, it still is. Um, and the police came, and the police were at the services with us and just said, hey, we're going to stay here. There's no <laughs> more, you won't see any more, please. Yeah. So we'll see you in a bit. Like, wow. you just let everyone go. <laughs> and now you think about it with dash cams and you think about it with just the way it was. We're very lucky. There were no sort of crazy. Yeah. I mean, people weren't idiots at the time either, but but like you say it was just going is this is this real Mm. is this actually quite is this happening now so we did that and then and then in 2014 we did the need for speed rally for launch of the need for speed yeah um movie and they sort of approached me somehow through phil mcgovern actually he teed that up for me which was cool wow back in the day and that was our first kind of commercial gig and that goes back to know what you're saying earlier about trying to how do you charge for stuff how do you know Mm. what your rate card is i remember they came to me for that saying will you do you want to do Okay. Yeah. I just made up a number I think it was like 4 grand but but I bet brands would have done it for 40 grand you know and it's so Correct. hard to know where you where you meant to, where you meant to pitch yourself. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah we ended up doing that we started in Liverpool Paul Bailey just got the P1 at the time there was a couple of F40s and f 50 or GT wasn't there some great cars. Um and then yeah, we went to the M six toll, but they actually they did close it at that time. They gave us mm-hmm. a full police escort down the whole M six toll and we sort of started at seventeen, it was going like one ten by the end of it, the cop just getting faster and faster. It was probably <laughs> cool. But no one wanted to go past. <laughs> like, do you go past or you not? <laughs> yeah. I don't know quite how we're gonna how we're gonna play this. But no, they were really accommodating. And to be fair, they they did get a bunch of cash. For the, uh, for the Midlands Air Ambulance as well, which certainly helped grease the wheels. But I think that was at the point where we thought, wow, we can do cool stuff now. Mm. Like People want us to, to give you some time. And then that kind of got us to put our thinking caps on, going, what else can we do that's, that's kind of significant, that's epic.
0: Love it. So cars is probably something we should make sure we definitely mention as well, because as I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we are currently surrounded by a good selection of cars. Um, and you mentioned that brilliant story about you know, leading tours with cars that perhaps aren't quite uh, on the eligibility list for supercar driver membership. And um, what was the uh, what sort of time period was it where you actually found the ability to buy the first car?
1: first good car was the E92m3 wasn't it? Uh, E92m3 comp it was 2018. Bought that from Tier 1. Actually, great guy. And um, it was 24 grand, and I probably could sell it for 24 grand now. I just remember yeah. it thinking that. And I remember saying at the time, that's a CSL we can't afford, because it was mm-hmm. the same color at the competition wheels, obviously. Mega-looking thing. And that was the... I've always been looking at them, like the M Coupe, thinking mm. they are undervalued. Yeah, They're only M3 with a naturally aspirated V8. and yeah. Just a beautiful car. So that was the first first car we had mm-hmm. um, and then it and then it has sort of got a bit out of control to um, <laughs> keep seeing seeing things that we can buy and then the next one was the red 997 GT3 yeah, Gen 1 yeah. um, but I had to sell that to, to buy my business partner out so I had to raise cash in sort of 2020 just before COVID mm. COVID um, hit and I I, I sort of bought him out, and I own hundred percent of it now. So it's a bit, bit easier. But that's another kind of the conversation. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so it was those really for a for a long time, and we would just make do with whatever we could. John too would use his Exige, and and then it's kind of I managed to get that uh, the M three CSL in twenty twenty. Mm. which was I'm so glad we got that because again that's another car where you think you're never going to afford you miss the boat and, Correct. and that's probably the last car we'll ever sell um, I would have thought so
0: yeah <laughs> it's a special thing I mean I, I'm slightly biased because they are one of my all time favourite cars as well but yeah you look at the values of them now and it's just getting daft isn't it you see yeah. the really ropey ones selling for 70-80 grand now and you're like okay what's happened there I've
1: always loved it's, them I've always yeah. loved them and they're like I say they're perfectly imperfect I think that's kind of the, the way we summarise it. And uh, and it's all part of the charm. Yeah. I love them.
2: I think you've got to drive it to get it as well, haven't you? Spend a bit of time It's the most
1: it? pure thing. Like, I don't know if you've you driven. I have, yeah the, yeah. the most pure thing, the noise, the turning is, is yeah. the sweetest thing. They feel light, the noise. Oh, my the God, the noise. induction noise. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah,
0: it is one of those very, very few cars where the induction noise completely and utterly yeah. outweighs the exhaust. You want noise. to be stood in front of it when it's yeah.
2: not behind it. Yeah. For that noise, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, magical things. What's the... Um, What's the future aspirations for the car list? You know, have you got others, other oh, cars on your hit list that I you'd love to have? I was talking about
1: it earlier. Um, I'd like a, a V12 Vantage S, the, the, the yeah, manual yeah. Um, v, V12. Uh, 355, love a 355. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Glado Superleggera model up there, i mm-hmm. like one of those. 360CS. Um, yeah, 360CS, mm. Ford GT. We spent me and Riyadh spent a lot of time with an Orange Seven Twenty Mirage that a good guy called Aid, who's been another one of those just significant people in the journey that's yeah. helped me a lot business on the business side. Mm. He let us drive his a lot. Um, and it's um we got to drive that in Monaco, and that was crazy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. He just let us take it to our back to a hotel, It's left on drive and had no visibility. And I don't <laughs> know it's even insured. I and mean, you just think <laughs> when you think about it now, you just think it's silly. Yeah. Um, and then just the one F forty. I'd love an F forty. Mm. That's kind of the that's my genuine actual kind of aspiration car. Mm. right? I can't stop until I get to that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a kind of, the the, the more yeah. money I build, the further away they're getting, the less Tell and less sort of achievable. And you just think, oh God.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be um, one of those, well, it's, it's hit that kind of sweet spot now, hasn't it? Because I think um, there've been a, a number of F40 sales in the past year or so where they've just gone over that million mark. And then suddenly in the past two or three months, there's a couple that have sold for, 1. 1.7 1. 1.8 yeah. Like, yeah just ruined how has this happened yeah um, you and you and me both yeah <laughs> and i think riyadh should talk about this actually
1: because i remember when you, you i mean you've loved f40s haven't yeah. you forever and do you remember that the first f40 you shot and like how much of a moment that was for you and that night you had with sam in the just yeah, tell us about I mean, that i remember
2: because sam he's actually fairly young and um he, he got um, an f40 for his 21st birthday blimey yeah and um so he said, "Come down." He, he lived near Dover.
1: That's straight pipes. Yeah. And um,
2: <laughs> so I've driven all the way down to Dover from Manchester, and he basically said, "What do you want to do?" So I said, "Well, I don't really know the area. Let's go and find some roads." And so I, I've got into this F forty, and um, he drove it like he stole it. And it's mostly one of the, I'll never forget that mm-hmm. moment, like the the noise and the smile on my face, and like you know when it hits boost, and you're just like stuck to your seat, and the mm-hmm. whoosh, the bang that comes out the back of it, just yeah I, i'm sad but also I'm, you
1: got to shoot your dream car yeah, as well, and yeah and i got to
2: shoot my dream car and i've mostly shot quite a few more since then but yeah yeah and we were driving back home and it was dark and the obviously the road behind us was glowing flames mm. and stuff i remember adam actually said can you can you make a video as well they come back with all footage." <laughs> and that's when
1: they didn't have stabilizers in it yeah <laughs> we didn't have any footage but i had a great time so yeah, yeah. That's what life's about in it, the car world, these kind of moments, these experiences.
0: Absolutely uh, right.
1: And, and for me, for years, like say, I say, I kind of, the business didn't make money, but it wasn't even a, a consideration for me because I was having all these amazing experiences like mm. being out with these, these epic cars or occasionally get to drive them, but really just jumping in the passenger seat of these things that you kind of dreamt of. What for not, I mean, there was on my wall as a kid, F50s and things like that, thinking yeah. you're never going to see one, let alone being in one mm, yeah. on the country yeah. roads and stuff. I'll get so. given the keys to one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So. One of the questions that I really like asking um, different people, different aspects of professionals from racing drivers through to business owners, was there a time in the running of Supercar Driver where you suddenly realised you were, you were really onto something?
1: It's probably from the earliest memory of SCD. I think, I think I'd, When I think back, the timing was impeccable. Mm. When I think back to the earliest events, to building it to start charging and people going it too cheap... And, and actually sort of encouraging us to put the fee up and, and do more and, and build it so I definitely noticed a turning point when I started doing it full time in 2013 start of 2013 mm. just the momentum you could build and the response you were getting and like you're what is lovely about our our sort of business our job um, is that people want to be in it mm. they're, they're coming to you for their hobby and they're in the they're, the they're generally the loveliest people, and they love having a great time, and they let you know that, so it's like the most fulfilling kind of job to be around because mm. apart from the one percent that that tell you these days, but when I look back then, you know mm. what I mean that was the best motivation ever because people were were coming along coming to these events, having a great time, and then telling you about it, mm. and then that only inspired you to go further and further and more ambitious, and what else can we do and yeah so so really there wasn't a definitive moment but and it's just been constant when I look back now and I think even last year or three years ago mm. even through COVID it was horrible for everyone and yeah. you suddenly think your, your life's over and your mm. business is over and actually think back to then as well and the inspiration people were giving you and about you but it's um yeah same. I think
2: after after COVID as well that the, the secret mate we did and obviously there was still some cool. restrictions in place yeah. wasn't there and then you know kind of out of COVID and it was very doom and gloom wasn't it to and mm. the, the secret meet and it was just you know everything forgot about yeah forgot about that and yeah
0: yeah a couple of events did come along didn't they both yeah. you know with supercar driver but with other big events things like goodwood events yeah. came along and suddenly it was a bit like this oh did that even happen that co- yes. that weird covid thing because it was <laughs> such a bizarre time you know as um i, I was a business owner through covid and, and unfortunately mine mine didn't work mine mine didn't didn't last and for me i i ended up stepping down from the company that I was running. And I remember thinking, I think it was mainly because it was just, uncertainty was the key word, wasn't it? Nobody mm. knew when this was going to end. And I was in a, a similar-ish kind of business, hospitality with with driving tours. And yeah, for us and our company, I remember thinking, you know, I, I just don't know when, when it's going to get better. So for me, the safest option was to step down and walk away. But with you, was it a case of, did you have those same sort of thoughts? Did you think there might be at one point? Oh, it's horrendous when I
1: think about it now. I've just signed the paperwork to get into loads of debt to buy my business partner out two mm. weeks before COVID. Oh, wow. My world's over. Yeah. And we're an event business, so no, no events, and I've just no spent events, yeah. a lot mm. buying him out. And then you just think back, it's like, oh, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But actually, it it allowed us to take stock. Mm. We'd also taken a lot of money off people for tours, and you start thinking, right, what's going to happen here? And actually, when you look back now, we didn't lose any money. None of our clients lost any money which is amazing we managed to preserve it all keep move it always move it forward we lost a little bit but mm. the client never did our profit margin decreased but but the, all the clients were because i heard other stories from from other sort of driving tour companies that were yeah. were not maybe in that position that mm. were able to to kick everything down the road and down the road and we eventually did some tours this year We did porsche gt that was meant to happen in 2020 wow <laughs> it's been kicking down the road back that long back, yeah and then yeah. um,
2: porsche gt straight into but it all it nice. was
1: it was scary like saying when you mm. think about it an event business that can't do events and at yeah. the time it was me and someone else and were just chatting going what can we do and then we started doing SCD lives mm. which was just zooms walking around with with DK or or uh, Carl Hartley would show us around the showroom on a Sunday and everyone would sit at home because that's all we could do, that's isn't right, it? It's, it's yeah. mad. It's it crazy together. that
2: looking back. But they, they had good traction as well, didn't they? And D.K. Good. had
1: 1,500 people on one with us, I think, because really? they put out to their customers and ours, and then he showed us everywhere, mm. every every bit of place that he couldn't normally show you when there's when you're at an event yeah, because of it's stuff for private, and it was amazing. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was um, scary, scary. Yeah.
0: Now, we teased with that little subject of secret meat, and I think that is definitely a, a point that warrants its own um chapter in in a sense um so yeah talk us through what is the secret meet
1: that's a very good question someone asked me (laughs) that the other day actually and i said uh, uh, uh," um but uh no it's when you think about it from the the earliest point in time it the purpose of the secret meet was it was a season opening event and we just wanted to do something epic to start the year off and just create that buzz Mm -hmm. and it used to be secret the first one was secret i don't think we said where we were going um, we just said meet here, and we'll go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we met at Donington in the car park at Donington in 2011, um, and that's that paved the way for kind of what has become the secret meet that everyone knows now. <laughs> they um, not so secret, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, um, yeah. We met at Donington, and we drove to Greypool, Nottingham, uh, the Ferrari garage. But I remember at the time we had Revent on roads turned up at Donington, mm-hmm. um, two Spikers, a Mura, and then F-40. and then maybe and then and then Surge in a. World Record Edition Veyron that just come out, wow. um, on the CLK DTM. There's that sort of Brunei 300 SL, and you just I remember all these cars now because it was a quite a, a significant time for us because it kind of helped again put us on the map. Mm. And all we did was meet somewhere, had a had a bit of a bacon roll in the gathering, and then and drove 30 miles up the road to to Greypool, sat in the back of a Ferrari garage, big, and we did that for sort of two or three years until we sort of had this idea to do a to do a runway event. At mm-hmm. Bruntingthorpe, and we'd do this big photo that kind of big became known for. So we mm. did, didn't we? Yeah, that big photo. So and they'd pull a jet out and they'd let us have a big, big shot on the runway with all the hypercars at the front. And again, I remember that. That was when the P one had just come out. And we got yellow F yes. forty. I mean, it's just it come out there. Yeah. yeah, we've got all the photos in our hallway in there, and there's sort of SLR edition on the front, yellow F forty, Ford GT, Aventador, Kuntash things like that. Um, and all that was again was a was a gathering a charity meet we would take money off everyone give it to bluebellwood children's hospice mm. um, it was just cool and it what was cool is it created that buzz for the year mm. it got everyone got super excited yeah and then um and then like i say it's 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 evolved somewhat yeah
0: you could say that yeah. now i attended this year so we're recording this just at the end of november 2022 i attended i attended my first supercar driver secret meet this year at donington um which is uh, yeah i i guess you could say a- bit of an upgrade from starting a <laughs> car park is. and driving to a dealership because yep. uh, it involved the closure, exclusive use of Donington Circuit, including pit garages, uh, more F40s than I think I will ever again see in my life, all in one place at the same time, and F50s and Enzo's, plus car dealers, plus Le Mans cars, plus Formula One cars. How on earth did it get to this scale? <laughs> Don't know, really. Um,
1: <laughs> just happened. I suppose it's it's been a long journey. Been a long journey. We did so we did the Greypool pool meets for 3 years. We did 2014, 2000 we couldn't do 15. Um cuz I think it snowed, so we had to move it. Right. So these they always used to be March April time start of the year. Got you. And then we did 2017 2018 big runway shoot. Mm. The last year of the runway we had the best lineup we ever had. I remember it because I was always and and some people didn't appreciate it, um, but I was always sort of hunting for hypercars, mm. mega cars that you just don't see. And and probably 70% of our audience loved, loved seeing those cars, 30% sort of felt like they weren't in the limelight and mm. were a bit sort of like, well, come on, and, and we've still got a lovely car. And you have, but I was just trying to find, curate kind of epic cars in one place. And yeah. doing those kind of photo shoots with the big planes and that built a lot of trust with serious collectors that then when we said we're moving to Donington, say they they brought the toys out and and, mm. and got behind us. So in 2019 we moved to Donnington and it was humble, very humble back then. Like there was no kind of commercialities. It wasn't a sort of a, a profit exercise. Mm. Um it was just a cost covering one. Um and the lineup then was was pretty epic. But we only had two race cars. We had a group C and a and a Canam McLaren mm-hmm. MAF running. They'd go out a couple of times a day, make a bit of noise, supercars would go out hypercars. But it was still cool back then. Yeah. But it was the it was the start of April and it was snowing still. It was snowing. I remember F40 out in the snow, and just thinking, <laughs> what? How is anyone going to? But they, everyone still loved it. Gavin with the red McLaren F1, he's quite well known yeah. on social. Yeah. Turbo, ter- terrific. He he he. Kate, drove all the way over from sort of Brent Brentford um, in the McLaren F1 to the day just parked wow. the middle of the paddock, and they he's like, "Wow, this part, is yeah. this is kind of the making of something. This mm. is something." But obviously, Secret Meet is a private ticketed event, really for for SCD members and sponsors. Mm. Um, and it's accessible all areas. you go wherever you want, nothing is kind of off limits. But the thing, the fact it's private is that you can you don't have to barrier anything off. Um, and what remains secret to this day is the car list. Like we don't we don't advertise. Any other car show would advertise what's coming. Mm-hmm. We don't sell anyone what's coming. They just know to prepare themselves for sort of something big. So that that's kind of where. Just for anyone listening, going this is not very secret because you know where yes. it is. You, you live stream yeah. it. You know it's <laughs> yeah, yeah It's not yeah. like it's a private event, but. Mm. There we go.
2: It's still got some secret elements.
0: It definitely does. It definitely does. And and one of the things I wanted to ask, because it's one of the kind of topics of conversation whenever I bring it up with certain crowds of car fans and followers, is there's a lot of people that really wish that they could get access to the event. Yeah. Obviously, these are the, the people that we often see standing by the side of the road yeah. as people drive into the event in some cases, you know, a mile outside the main gate. There'll be people there with phones and, and video cameras and wanting to just get snippets of cars coming through do you think there will ever be a time where it becomes an event either the, the secret meet or a similar event that becomes ticketed for other people to come into or do you think for the benefit of the organization it will always have that exclusivity
1: sadly i think it's the latter yeah mm. and i just don't think we have the capacity to to make it public i don't think we'd get the cars mm. I mean, there's lots of public events you can go to, and that's why the live stream was was meant to be a kind of a portal to see that, mm-hmm. um, to sort of get up close to the event without necessarily being there. I know that's not petrol heads. If I think if I put myself in the shoes of someone mm-hmm. really wanting to go to that event, I'd feel like it's unfair. But for someone who runs it, it's it's got a purpose, and that's that's what that is. Yeah, is to be private. And and don't get me wrong, if it was if everything was about the money, then mm. I could make loads of money. I'm sure Absolutely by right. by charging loads of people to come. But it's just Go to Supercar Fest. I mean, there's plenty of events you can go to Salon Privé, you can yeah. go and see these cars. So uh, it's not really been an ambition.
2: No, I agree. And if, if it was public, then you wouldn't, the members wouldn't have the access they have. You know, you can just row into a garage and you've got Adrian Newey just, you know, yeah. sat on his on his F1
1: car that he's, and his son obviously He's designed. Did. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was cool. And like Zach Brown, he, he came this year. All I did was drop him an email because we got to know him through the Jody Kidd YouTube mm-hmm. channel that we're, we're involved with. And, and, he's like yeah sure I'm there and his, his people said he won't stay he won't stay he'll stay for a couple of hours and he got there at 10 left at 4 <laughs> he's had a great day because he didn't know what to expect either because it's kind of a it is a best kept secret mm. unless you love cars if you're people like that you have no clue what to expect and like Rio said it was a privilege to have Asia in there yeah. in the two cars that he designed in two different times the McLaren Kimi McLaren hadn't turned a wheel since since Silverstone in 2004 I don't think and they'd been recommissioned by Paul Anzanti and then him and Harry were smashing that round Donington I mean it's, it's cool It's, it's a, a, it's a it's a privilege really um yeah. to sort of post that and that's what that, that thing on the wall is over there you know mm. and it's to to sort of mark the unofficial fastest lap that that harry did around around donnington in that car and it's just epic you know yeah amazing
0: no it is absolutely so i guess before we start to round things up because um i feel like you know we could lose hours and hours and hours talking about the adventures and things that have happened so far what what do you foresee as the future For supercar driver how does how does it get bigger and better or does it need to get bigger and better I don't think it gets bigger and better
1: I think actually it's funny when you you think you get to the end of the year and you go you're writing to the members Mm. saying next year's going to be bigger and better and it's sort of the thing you get into doesn't Mm. it it isn't next year's different for us like it feels like the world's opened up again so Mm. next year we're kind of almost turning everything on its head in terms of everything that people expect they're going to be doing next year they're not Mm. Um, we're going to change it up, and um, the events that we've maybe been doing a lot of, we won't do. Some firm favourites we won't do. We'll take them out, and we'll do them another year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to grow a bit. We've got capacity for a few more members, so we are going to open up the waiting list to some people that have been patient on there. Great. Um Let them in. Let them enjoy some of the fun. Because, like I say, we've we've got capacity. We do enough events, mm-hmm. um, and and I think I say the secret meet prepare for that it's going to be next level. Uh, I think that's a, something that a lot of people join and look forward to. And the yeah. tours, more tours. But yeah, I don't think necessarily bigger and better, just definitely more polished, more professional. I think that's the kind of the point we're at now is just to just to, just to to get things that little bit more sort of leveled up. We'll be back at Caffeine and Machine as well for anyone that came this year. And that's another, it's not a secret meet, but mm. we'll still do a hypercar meet at Caffeine and Machine like we did this year, yeah. next year, mid-May, and that will be epic. And you can get access to that. Yeah, you, can you can get access to that. You yeah. just need
0: to buy a ticket. Yeah, <laughs> so, and yeah.
1: That's, but that's cool. And that, that will work really well, I think. Fantastic. It's exciting, isn't well, it? It is. And you've you've had a fair share of SCD events this year. I
0: have indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of put that, put that puzzle together. Yeah. I do some work with a finance company, JBR Capital, who happened to be a sponsor of SCD. And um, yeah, we kind of had a a nice moment at the beginning of this year, stood at um, Farbood, Arash, Arash Farbood's place. (laughs) At the beginning of the year, it was my first my first event with uh, JBR. There we we stood in in a enormous warehouse talking about a, a year of events together, and here we are now. Yeah, almost wrapping it up. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. mad.
1: And I suppose just one thing. I just sort of looked at my notes there, and one thing about this this job that is amazing is that having the freedom to kind of do whatever we want mm. right and i mean that in terms of a uh, case in point is secret meet this year when we said let's do 40 f40s because it's mm. um right let's do 40 F 40s. right okay yeah let's go and do that and then oh no let's make that 75 f cars okay <laughs> let's make that 70, but then been able to go and have the freedom to to go and do that there's no kind of red tape or there's and there's all these sort of interesting people we've met over the years and next year is going to be carrera gt 25th 20th anniversary at secret meet we'll wow. do that and we'll get a load of those together and i think and i don't even just mean Secret. I mean kind of being able to just have this really interesting database of great people with mm. the cars that just want to use them and be able to curate different things like whether that's the Porsche GT tour to Europe or something to do a secret me or certain special events where people want to see cars they've never seen before. I just love that kind of say that autonomy to, to be able to do anything. Mm. So
0: that, that's the best
1: bit of the job. What would you say is the hardest bit? Uh, these days it's managing staff. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not really. Um, uh, it's different these days it's different and mm. i think it's just like I say it's a lot more of a business yeah. now um so for me there's a lot of lovely pleasures that we get to have with the cars but there's also a lot of a lot of stress and late nights and and a lot of um commitment and deliverables with with spark- sponsors and partners etc so mm. it's maybe a bit different for me than it was maybe five years ago sure um but then there's people like riyadh Constantly out shooting great cars and Johny on tour and well, I mean the team all get stuck in. Mm. We've got we're really lucky to have an amazing team. They're yeah. all really passionate. That kind of dream job thing.
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the, the kind of standout moments and observations for me at the secret meet and as somebody from a events background, seeing that team of people come together towards the end of the day and when you did that wonderful grid lineup with cars and I think you had yeah. a good proportion of the team there. On the start, finish straight to Donington together, and there was you could see there was a, a good, you know, a good few looks to each other of actually this is good, isn't it? We've done something quite special. That right?
1: was crazy, actually. I remember that because we yeah. had a Le Mans winning nine one seven K, Le Mans winning Bentley speed eight. Um, there was there was another something else on the front row of just all these epic cars. And you thought, wow, God, they're actually come. You know what I mean? You mm. speak to these people on email, you build these relationships, but will these people actually come? I think but, um, yeah.
2: when you see the team behind it as well, it's like people wouldn't believe there's so many. So little. The team's so little behind it yeah you know when you
1: I actually met someone recently and they said what's your how big's the division for secret me um, really? I sort of said well um, well there isn't it's me and Amy kind of and Luke but Amy's yeah. full-time and yeah. me and Luke dip in and out so yeah it's funny when you when you look back and what people's sort of perception are of SCD to what they actually are and like mm-hmm. I said we've never been and done this kind of thing and had a chat about the sort of evolution and the story of mm-hmm. it. And it and when I think back it's literally standing around in Tesco car park the earliest memories that is it it starts mm-hmm. from that and it can grow into kind of anything when you put your mind to it
0: fantastic well why don't we as a bit of an idea because obviously our paths are going to cross more throughout 2023 which is the year we're about to head into with more events i'm going to be attending more events with jbr as well why don't we plan to have the occasional catch-up at events like that and have these kind of progressive conversations of what's happened since kind of thing and what's happening yeah, next cool. so i think it's going to be there's definitely a lot to come i'm sure that the vast majority of people listening this already know about the uh about scd and i'm sure a a very very large number of your members are listening so hello to all the members that are are listening um (laughs) i'm not
1: offended you Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah perhaps we can you know schedule some recordings where we're at events and we'll speak to some of those members as well so it'd be interesting to hear their perspective i'm sure they've all got lovely glowing things to say
1: yeah maybe no no that would be awesome (laughs) definitely
0: fantastic well i mean that just leaves me to say thank you it's been um it's been great you know even as somebody that should have a a bit more of a a knowledge and understanding on the club or, or the organization i should say i definitely feel like i've learned something and i feel like there's a lot more to learn so uh yeah see you at the next event Thank you. Thank you, John. Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank and you
0: so
1: much.
2: Great sat here, actually, listening to Adam, right, and
1: reminiscing. Mm. That really brings it all back. I've never done it. Never done it. It's never cool. sort of really never told the story. So, yeah, thank you. You're
0: very welcome. John. Well, what will happen is you'll think of more stories after this, because that always happens. And then when we next sit down together, you'll tell them all again. So make sure you are subscribed to the Driven Chat podcast and make sure that you're also following Supercar Driver as well on all the social platforms, because you'll be able to see more information about... SED, about the events that are coming up. If you are thinking, hey, I could be a member of that club and I'm happy to join a waiting list, then it's well worth joining because the, the waiting list isn't isn't going away, is it? It's gonna it's gonna keep being there. So might as well get signed up now. And um, yeah, I wish you all the very best with whatever comes next in the future with the club. It's always gonna be bigger and better and more fantastic, although it doesn't necessarily need to be bigger and better, as we just said. There we go. Um keep doing what you do. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you've enjoyed that conversation with Riyad and with Adam. We did mention in the conversation, Jonty, who was around at the very beginning, just as I was setting up the microphones. Jonty was there. Uh, we recorded the episode right at the end of a working day. So Jonty unfortunately had to shoot off. Uh, but we will, as I mentioned towards the end of the episode, we will be recording with Supercar Driver more often. Uh, Myself, Rian and Adam, we're always attending similar events and of course every time there's a Supercar Driver event I'll be there uh, waving the flag for JBR Capital. So I'm often there, there'll be plenty more opportunities for us to have conversations. So with that in mind, if you are listening and if you've enjoyed this episode and you're thinking actually there is something I'd like to know, something a little bit more about the club or a conversation topic I wish you'd have picked up on then drop us an email podcast at drivenchat.com that's podcast at drivenchat.com uh, get your questions in there put something in the uh, subject line something to do with supercar driver just so I know to look out for it and the next time that I sit down with Adam and Riyadh and hopefully Jonty as well we'll be able to address any additional questions that you might have in the meantime there is so much for you to catch up on just with supercar driver alone they have their own very successful very popular YouTube channel which you can go and find uh, there is of course, course the magazine for members you can have a look on the website so you can get yourself a copy of that if you're not a member not always the easiest thing to do but you can find a way find a way and of course the social media feeds just check out supercar driver as well as adam and you'll see them tagged into recent posts both of them live quite exciting lives in and around the cars that they are surrounded by as you would expect and the last thing i'll say is uh, just a little thank you once again thank you again for all the lovely comments and reviews Uh, thank you so much for all of our new recent youtube subscribers we do have a youtube channel a lot of still still learning this, uh, but we do have a YouTube channel. We do occasional reviews on cars um, as well as attending events and things. So check us out on YouTube at Driven Chat if you want to go and see what we get up to in video form as well as this audio form. And of course, social media channels at Driven Chat on just about every social media platform you can find. For now, I'll say thank you so much for listening. Another episode coming your way in exactly seven days' time, and that's going to be with Perry McCarthy, the original Stig, the black suit-wearing Stig from the very first one or two seasons of Top Gear at the uh, Dunsfold circuit. So what we call new age Top Gear, which now is old Top Gear and it's all very confusing, but you know what I mean. Perry McCarthy next week on the Driven Chat podcast with myself and Rachel Downey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. and We'll speak to you then. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The